For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the offense from that Tampa Bay win on Thursday night. Exciting game. Here to talk about it with me is Jim Zipko. Jim, how you doing? Ken, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, uh, tell folks again where they can talk football with you first. Let's have that. Well, I'm there. I'm on Twitter, and uh, uh, it's at zip underscore Jim, uh, or you can just uh, look for me among the people liking your uh, posts when you uh, tweet out the links to your latest podcasts. All right. That's a nice thing to say. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll start out with our, our, our thanking our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Please give their product a try if you can. Uh, 
injury on the injury front, I think you know we end up talking about this so often. This is kind of one thing that bothers me about the NFL is how the game has come down to injuries so much that you almost talk about injuries before the score sometimes, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs> is this the NFL's fault or is this it's, your fault, Ken, for falling? No, I, I, I'm I, I'm not sure, but uh, but I, I will say that it's it's kind of depressing that the game is so injury dependent. That you know, a team like Cincinnati made it all the way to the Super Bowl on outstanding injury luck last year. They just got they they had a horseshoe up their rear ends pretty much the whole year. The Ravens have had it before too, but they certainly haven't had it these last few years. Uh, and this is a uh, you know a real shame that, uh, that that they're they're still working their way through this. It looks like, or it looked like, they were finally getting pretty darn close and having after a week of having a lot of guys on the injury report. Edwards, uh, Bateman, and who's the third player I'm thinking of that's on offense, Andrews, who was was yeah. were all on the injury report during the week, all questionable. You know, they and and they're on the deep injury report, which means they they weren't they took a day off, I think, each of them, but they were limited on Wednesday. Limited on Wednesday right. to me usually is a really bad sign. Limited on limited on Friday is worse, but limited on Wednesday, particularly for a returning player, typically means they're not going to be back. So I think this week they were DNP uh, maybe Tuesday and, and and then they were limited on Wednesday. The, the, the compressed week for Thursday night football throws me a little bit about what the correct expectations are for uh, when they play and when they don't, what that means. Yeah, that's a great point is that is that, you know, you have these walkthroughs and if they're older players or players have been in the league for a few years, like uh, like Andrews has and they know the dance step, which is all they really put them through. If you've ever watched a walkthrough. They do it intentionally at a half speed or even right. slower than that so they can make sure they get the steps actually correct in their route running, their releases off the line of scrimmage, all those sorts of things uh, to, uh, uh, to play properly. Uh, got a few players that we didn't see. We didn't see Deshaun Jackson. We didn't see Bowser. We didn't see Ajabo. Any of those three could have been back this week, uh, but they didn't have to be because I believe it was because the game was on a Thursday and their three weeks of practice would have gone through Friday. But mm. I believe now that Bowser and Ajabo have to be back. I believe actually Kolar will have to be back, or and and he could be you know he could be sent to IR. You mean for the be. for the Monday Night Football game against the Saints? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then Deshaun Jackson, they he's on the practice squad, so they can they can bring him up whenever they want, of course. But uh, but they uh, clearly so- got him for a reason, right? Like they they don't want to spend weeks and weeks messing around with him. I mean, he's an experienced veteran who should be able to pick up the offense quickly and, and they got him for a reason. Yeah, I, I would agree. And would, would do you think it's reasonable that he is automatically in the lineup next week, that he's in the lineup if he looks good? Or, I mean, maybe the thing that's not reasonable is there's no reason to have signed him if he wasn't in shape to play right away. I think that it depends on what you mean by in the lineup. If by in the lineup you mean... Starting, I'm going to say no. If by in the lineup you mean he's the number three receiver, he comes in for you know three wide or four wide. He's got a couple of different uh, scripts, you know, that he's used for or, or two minute. Then yeah, I believe that's completely reasonable. Okay, yeah, and I would say, I would say that's that it makes sense to bring him back on the turf in New Orleans, where his speed is probably going to be a little bit more valuable. Uh, stretch that defense a little bit more. Um, Demarcus Robinson has not been getting it done in terms of separation. No. I really, I was really hoping that he'd be more of a separator based on what he saw in the preseason. At least he 
had a few short receptions and made something out of them in this last game after the catch. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he really has not been the guy. And, and when Bateman can only play whatever it was, 10 or 13 snaps in this game, I think it would be Andrews played 10 and Bateman played 13. If I recall, uh, they're really in need of another receiver at this point. Well, so did we bury the lead a little bit? So you started talking about injuries uh, and how Gus and Mark Andrews uh, and I forget who the third player were you mentioned were, were they were all questionable, but then they all played. Mm-hmm. But they didn't finish the game either. So yeah. so we were in suspense about whether they'd be available. They were available, but not not the whole game as it turned out. Right. So Gus Andrews and Bateman. That's a, yeah. that's a lot of the Ravens offense right that there. Is. Yeah. And and to, to have all those three guys, I mean, I, I, between the three, Gus, Gus actually played only 16 snaps, but he ran mm. the ball 11 times on those 16 snaps. So he, he's he's a designated runner when he's in there. And the Ravens are yeah. running the football most of the time. And so that, that, w- that was a nice pairing. But his 16 snaps were were a, were a nice workload, um, but the you know having Andrews for only 13 snaps or 10 snaps is not good, and having Bateman for only 13 is not good. He only had one target, uh, so they, they missed a lot of offense in this game. And I, I think the, the the only thing that I can pull from it is that getting likely out there adapted to Lamar is okay. I think most people would say trust with Lamar, maybe. 50% of the value of having him out there, maybe 80% of the value of having him out there to some people. To me, the other thing was working on a high snap count with the Ravens run scheme and having to make take that responsibility as well. That's an That's- interesting thing to say. Now, he said on uh, after the game during his press conference, he said that coach is going to be really impressed with his blocking when coach looks at the tape. And if you think about this offense, you know, blocking is the way to... Uh, keep your snaps. Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yes. I'm glad that you mentioned him and not me. I think mm-hmm. whoever had to drink when that player's name is mentioned yes. on the podcast, <laughs> I think I think that's not me who did that. Uh, but yeah, and, and I think that for a guy who showed a lot of polish in the passing game in preseason, a lot of ability to not get typecast by the coaching staff as a, as a receiving only tight end, but to actually be viable blocking so that they can keep you on, on the field for those other downs. I think that's actually, you know, surprisingly important for him. Yeah. And, and I completely agree. He had a, he had a very good game in terms of receiving, you know, I think it was around 11 yards per target or something like seven. He's exactly at that. Yeah. Yeah. Seven targets, 77 yards and a touchdown, his best game as a pro. He has uh, been very impressive over his last three games. I, I, I toted this up for you. So his first five games, 13 targets, seven catches, 58 yards. That's four and a half yards per target. That's his first five games. Over the last three games, about as many targets, 12, with nine catches for 123 yards and a tight end for uh, touchdowns. 10.3. 10.3 yards per target. Yeah, it's just just, just really come on. It's not just this game. It's the last few games. Yeah, that's that's terrific. And, And obviously getting the trust for Lamar to get that many targets in one game when there weren't a lot of targets being handed out in that second half after Andrews left. Mm-hmm. And Andrews was in, I guess he was in street clothes during the second half or the first yes. half. He's on the field for about the first quarter or so, or not quite, uh, but on for, for most of that first quarter, at least. Um, and then, uh, and then he left uh, after that and it, and it had to be likely um, at that point, and there weren't that many total targets to give out. And he got a lot of them. Demarcus Robinson got most of the rest of them in terms of, uh, of uh, being a little bit of an elusive outside threat who could do some things. It's actually interesting. Uh, we had six players get four plus targets in that game. So we had uh, Demarcus Robinson got eight. Isaiah likely got seven. 
Mark Andrews got five, but they were all mm-hmm. early, right? And then mm-hmm. Duvernay and Prochet both got four, and Kenyon Drake also got four, including that goal line touchdown. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's more spread out than I thought. Most of yeah. Drake's – I mean, first of all, they threw the ball 30 times in the first half, so you know that right. that most of the targets were in the first half. But uh, right. uh, they threw the ball eight times in the second half, completed all of them, and it seemed like most of those were likely. Uh, but we, but there was some Demarcus Robinson in there too. I'd have to, I'd have to actually look back at at who, who got. But anyway, here's the point: and why this is such a pivotal game in Likely's career. He may even look back at this and, and tell his grandkids, "Yeah, that Thursday night game in Tampa Bay that that made my career because yeah. the next week Charlie Kolar was coming back to take my job." Oh. And, and Andrews, uh, you know, may or may not be healthy, but you know, even if he is, Likely's a part of the offense now. Uh, he, I mean, he he so did it all in this game to 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 basically to have the receptions to do to block like he did and then to make the big game ceiling special teams play to to cover the onside kick. I had a nice moment with my stepdaughter. We were watching the game and I paused it just before the onside kick. Uh, I, I think she had never had the concept of the hands team explained to her so i could point out you know this guy's the pass catching type tight end this guy's a wide receiver this guy's another wide receiver these are the guys that they put out there and she's like oh that's so interesting so (laughs) that was a nice little lecture moment for me there you go it's always nice to be that guy once in a while (laughs) okay uh so influx of players coming back we hope that the big three on offense other than lamar will also be back uh, that obviously is a is fairly key to this Ravens offense to so keeping it in gear. Um, it, it brings up the question now: Who are the prime candidates to be cut on this team? And I think everybody's ready for Mike Davis to go, pretty much as long as as long as the other backs are healthy. Right. I, I think we're okay with that. It's interesting uh, because I thought in preseason that he looked like a really capable professional player, and I expected him to be to be a contributor. I got to say, I saw exactly the same negative things that I had in all the other old oh, okay. backs they've gotten the last couple of years. So it's just yeah. a, a lack of real speed to get to the outside. Uh, yeah, the, the Ravens' run game depends on that so heavily, and now they, you know, they're down to Hill. And I, I was, I was personally afraid that Hill's fumble was gonna was gonna kind of earn him some bench time, but that didn't happen. Hill, Hill, for, from the very first, you know, he's out there, very first special team snap, he makes an enormous play. Yeah. Pushing the defender. That was a, such a savvy play to shoving play. the guy into him. Yep. I, I, he, he has looked like a different player to me this season. He's so decisive. So like the only, so you got the fumble and the other, he made a mistake one time where he, rather than cutting up field with nothing but daylight in front of him, yep. he cut to a sideline. Uh, and everything else he's done to me has been overwhelmingly positive. His, his contact balance has been better than I've ever seen. He's decisive instead of, you know, jittering in the hole or looking to go sideways. He's going, he's getting north south. I mean, he just looks like a, like a mature, he looks a little tiny bit. I don't want to exaggerate this, like Gus Edwards, uh, just in terms of his decisiveness and his authority through contact. Yeah, he's, he's, he definitely has displayed much more power this year. Yeah. And, and, and we've seen, a lot of the speed is what they with the Ravens really need. They need to guy have that back out of sidecar that stretches that defense and forces mm-hmm. them to stay honest and also just follow the movement of the of the play more. Get those linebackers out of position so Lamar can get some big runs. But he, what he does to the outside defenders, what he does to linebackers is is really positive. And then what he did to the tired Tampa Bay defense in that oh, second geez. half when he's running over him, I mean that was that was very impressive. Can we talk about the game planning a little bit? What have you so like? I, I, 
Greg Roman gets a lot of grief from Ravens fans. And I think every offensive coordinator probably around the league gets a lot of grief from, from their fan base. That's sort of the designated hit or the designated target, excuse me. But I thought when we when the Ravens opened up the first quarter of this game, I thought that this was the clearest example of opponent-specific game planning that I'd ever seen from this staff. We have a an opponent with a decimated secondary by injury. What, four of their top six guys were down? Mm-hmm. And so they came out and they threw the ball all over the yard. They didn't succeed with it necessarily, but just the fact that that adjustment was there and and it was such a contrast from the previous week, you know, where where uh, two games in five days and a and a and a team with a one of the most dangerous pass rushers in the league in Miles Garrett, they throw it very sparingly and they run it on them, and then just change gears completely. That's not something that flexibility, that game planning flexibility, is not something you usually associate with this team and this coaching staff. And I was actually really pleased to see it. I, I'll I'll take the other side of that for a second. In terms okay. of Wink Martindale, always felt like he adapted extremely well. We agree completely with that. Agree completely right. with that. In terms of McDonald, I don't really know yet because it's been, right. been here so little. We've seen you know not a tremendous variety so far of of offenses. We've seen some variety, but but I, I'm not I'm not ready to judge yet. And in, in, I in really, I'm sorry. I really did just mean the offensive coaching staff, the offensive sure. game planning. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, in some cases you got to blame some of that on Flacco because he wasn't the most easy to adjust for in terms of the game. You could, you could run the ball more. Uh, yeah. You could decide you were going to pass the game and then you had to figure out how to block it up and that could become difficult. Um, but it was all, you know, getting, getting Joe Flacco time and space was not something you could do against just any team. You, 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 had a real hard time doing it against teams like the Steelers. You had a hard time do, right. doing it against some other teams who would, you know, rush if they wanted to. I thought that that you know the the Tampa Bay came out of this game came out at the start having figured out the same things the other teams had figured out for the last three weeks, which is basically to rush Lamar, give him a lot of pressure, and we're going to get to yeah. some of that. And and he had a lot of difficulty with it. The ball was out quickly a lot. They did scheme to have the ball out quickly. Um, and that was that was the most successful. But when they when there was pressure, there was trouble. And sometimes when there was ample time and space, there was trouble. Oh, meaning, really? meaning they still covered pretty well down the field, even with their depleted secondary. Uh, yeah, they had a, one of the sacks was on ATS uh, in this game. And, and he didn't he wasn't overall particularly good. I'll get to it in a, in, when we go to that the, the pass rush component of this or the Lamar component. But uh, yeah, it, it uh, you know, it wasn't exactly. It. But I but I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I thought. First of all, I kind of thought I'm calling bullshit on this when I heard them talk about it after the, the game that that was the plan all the way along. But apparently, you know, multiple players have been saying, "Yep, that was the plan all the way along. We were going to throw it in the first half." And Zubiak said that on Twitter. He said that yeah. multiple. Yeah, I think there was a lot of initial sentiment like, "Like, oh, that must be bullshit." And uh, evidently, coming out of the post game locker room, like Zubiak was all over it about you know multiple players confirmed that this was in fact the plan. And to me. There's only a certain number of people you can believe are lying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like you can, no matter how skeptical you are, like you can say maybe Harbaugh was lying about that. Maybe Greg Roman was lying about that. When multiple players are also saying the same thing, at some point you have to be, you have to think, well, that's probably the truth then. I, I think I also trust Jeff as a reporter. Very much basically, so. Well, not, 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 let me get to the whole point of this. Here. Is that, to trust Jeff as a reporter to basically look those players in the eyes and read the subtext of what they're saying. So if there's an mm-hmm. eye roll before, 
yeah, that was the plan all along kind of thing. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it doesn't, the words just don't get reported. The, the, you know, the, the intent behind them and the thought behind them does, but it really does sound like that's a great point. They decided to do that and they, and they, and then they decided, Hey, if that, if that doesn't work, we'll go to the run game. There's, there's even sort of a value here that they didn't go to it at some point in the first half, get Tampa realizing during their 12 minutes of free time that, Hey, there's some other things they need to figure out how to do right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to stop the run game. And then they, they came out and they, and Tampa had no answer for it. Literally no answer. And, this is the biggest thing about that second half is to me, the biggest statistic of all, they had 18 first downs in that second half. So that includes start of drives, all that 18 times they ran a first down play. They only got the third down five times. Yep. And they made four of those. Yep. So the only time they got stopped was a third and one. I think Drake got stopped for no gain. They kicked a field goal that otherwise touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. What we watched and that second half was the 2019 Ravens at work. At Very much so. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and how long have we been waiting for that to reappear, huh? Uh, I mean, we've had a little bit of it the last few weeks because because we had a you know the, a, a good rushing game against the Browns, a great rushing game against the Giants. So it's not like they haven't had any of it. They just haven't put together the other elements to 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 have a kind of a decisive win. And I, I, I think I would put this game in the decisive win category, oh, yeah. despite the fact that it ends up being a five point game. I would agree completely. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they narrowed the margin at the end to a five point game, but it's not like in the second half, let me put it this way. After the Ravens took the lead, it's not as if the outcome was ever in doubt. I mean, Tom Brady takes the field in a one score game. Your heart definitely beats a little faster, but it's not that it wasn't the same. It wasn't really mm-hmm. threatened. And they were, they were up by two scores after the second drive of the mm-hmm. second half. So they were up, yeah. what, 24 to 13, I think then, right? Yeah, 24 yeah. to 13. And then they were able to able to basically, they allowed them to get back to one score and then go back to two. Right. You know, it, it, it you get that bad feeling that the Ravens leading by 10 or 11 are never kind of safe. But on the other hand, um, they, they, they did a really good job of putting it away here. They locked them down. After that first drive where Tampa scored, they really locked them down. I know this isn't the defense podcast, but uh, they really, they really, they really locked them down. It was beautiful. One of the great things I love to see is is running when the other team knows you're going to run, and you just stuff it down their throats anyway. You just there's see, there's, there's nothing that you do to stop it. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and it goes back to you go back to 2019. The last time that the Ravens played Tom Brady, you remember that was uh, was it Sunday night or 20. Monday night football? And, yep. Yeah, and they were and Brady was on the sideline just pacing in the third and fourth quarter while the Ravens kept grinding, rushing first downs, and he just couldn't get on the field to close the deficit. He had to just watch as minute after minute trips by. And it was it was reminiscent of that. Yeah, very, very much so. I, I in some ways that second half was a little bit reminiscent of the 2012 AFC championship game where the, the Ravens went into the locker room down six, they were down seven in this game, and then rolled out 21-0 in the second half. Not quite as dominant. This time, nope. but you know, they had 11 rushing first downs in this game, and most of those, if not all of them, were in the second half. Uh, the they, you really need to throw out the kneels in a game like this, yeah. or, or, or yes. but but 24 rushes for 213 yards in the second half that's 8.9 yards per carry. Uh, they just <laughs> they had no answer for the Ravens' run game, and and there was a little something going everywhere, a little Lamar, a little bit outside, a little bit of, of jet sweepy action with Duvernay that really worked well. I mean, just yeah, good stuff. 
Kenyon Drake is an interesting player to me. I had I'd made some notes, you know, knowing that I was going to do this with you. I'd made some notes during the game, and and one of them was early. Uh, I think did Kenyon Drake get a target maybe in this game that he he couldn't field or couldn't do much with? He gets off balance sometimes when he has to twist for the ball or something, and he it seems to me never recovers his balance when he loses it. So I had I had some kind of negative remarks like kind of queued up to make about his balance then the second half he's ripping off all these runs <laughs> so i'm trying to have to modify my take and i guess i'm modifying it to this if he doesn't have to if he can stay on his feet if he can go kind of straight or curve a little bit if he doesn't have to do jump cuts or twist or anything like that he is great but if you get him off his path if he's unbalanced or something he he's he's not very effective so he's he's got um a high ceiling with some narrow limitations kind of in, in, in what he can do. It seems to me. Yes. I, I, I mean, he's a player to me that really needs a well-blocked play, but he has enough speed and enough cutback opportunity to take advantage of a hole that is there. Yes. And the Ravens need need some players like that. And they, and they really need some players like Gus Edwards and Hill who give them that extra dimension of more speed. And right. in Edwards' case, is much more much more power and contact balance uh, to, to to get through things. The, the, the run by Edwards near the goal line, I thought, co- set completely set the tone for the second half. Remind it, me which one that is. It was a, about a twelve yard run where he reversed his field, broke two tackles, or at least there mm-hmm. were two guys who had a chance at a tackle there, and ran for twelve yards on something like a second and ten play. Yeah, uh, it might have been a first and ten play, but it, but anyway, it was a it was a. Uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful run there by Gus, and and uh, you know, real good game for him to, to see him back like that. One Looking more note notes that I took during the game, and the one you're talking about must be when I wrote "Love Gus." That yep. must be when that happened. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Uh, the uh, one more note about the rush uh, rush game here: the Ravens, if you take out the Neils, average seven point five yards per rush. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a long in this game of nine yards. That was their longest run of the game. And the Ravens averaged 7.5 per rush on 31 rush attempts that were not Neal's. Anyway, exactly what Uh, we want. Exactly what we want. Can I build on a little bit the second half? So we talked about game planning in the first half and coming out and attacking a depleted secondary with passes that were not as successful as we wanted. And then they said that they had planned to shift to a run-heavy game plan in the second half, but it was interesting how they ran the ball. They ran it with a lot of outside zone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, have you ever watched, so Alex Gibbs was the kind of the godfather of the NFL outside zone scheme, and he was the offensive line coach of the Broncos in the 90s with you know uh, Terrell Davis, and you know every year they had a different 1,000-yard rusher and whatnot. So he's done a lot of coaching videos and clinics and stuff. And I don't know if, if you've ever watched any of those, but he – have you ever watched any of those? I, I have not. Go ahead. He uh, – he, it's it's gold. It's, you know, in the offseason, you know, look some of them up on YouTube and watch them. They're, they're amazing. But one of the things he talks about, and this is in a clinic that he's giving to some coaching staff somewhere, and he says to them, one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to force their corners to tackle. And his money quote is on this is, and I promise you that the corners in our level are just as bad tacklers as they are in your, at your level. <laughs> and if you think about what the Ravens did, they ran to my eye, and I didn't check this, but it looked to me like they ran outside zone more in the second half of this game than Greg Roman usually does. 
But if you've got a depleted secondary, you know, four of their top six guys are out, and he's forcing them to tackle after forcing them to cover all for the first half, you know, they weren't up to it. And it's interesting because we think of challenging the secondary strictly in terms of passing, but the Ravens found a way to challenge them in the run game also, and uh, and they weren't up to it at all. Well, the, the Ravens also, uh, you know, James Prochet unfortunately had a had a mistake in this game, but he also had a couple good blocks too, and and they got good blocks from tight ends on corners. Mm-hmm. And on, so so they they do a really good job of getting those guys blocked. So it's not just easy as you got to stick your head in the pile, you got to be second man to the ball, trying to pry it out. Good luck getting to the football. Right, you got to you know, get with, to the football. Yeah. yeah. And I I, uh, I like that. I will look that up because now I'm, I'm watching YouTube videos. It seems like every night, and I'm really tired of watching different videos about the Ukraine right now. I just <laughs> I, I, I need a break from that, and and uh, I need to watch some good good videos. But they're long because somebody taped like his entire coaching clinic that he gave to some staff. So there's hours that you can watch. But that's okay. It's interesting to listen to him talk about. He's he he's he's by turns he's really insulting of his players he says we've got fuckers who can't read and write and then uh-huh. two minutes later he's talking he's fiercely defending them like saying i can't ask my duck guy to do that because i'm already asking him to key off this player and this and i can't mm-hmm. ask him to do that too so it's a fascinating mix of very insulting and very protective of his players i think they <laughs> loved him <laughs> yeah, probably probably uh let's see what have we not talked about here so far in terms of this uh move on to Lamar. Let's talk a little bit about him. Uh an interesting day for Lamar, an interesting night. Uh he threw back he had one spike. So I take that out of there down to then 40 plays that resulted dropbacks that resulted in a pass or a sack. Only seven of those. He had ample time and space. So seven mm. out of 40, 18 percent. Uh only three of six of those were complete for 29 net yards. So one of them was a sack also. So 4.1 yards per play when he had ample time and space. That's crazy low. It is crazy low. And and so there, there certainly have been some good good games where Lamar's been given lots of time. Uh, uh, but oftentimes the extended plays that Lamar has, they, they don't come from ample time and space. They come from initially no. some pressure and a flush, and he's rolling out and kind of deciding whether he wants to run or not. Then everybody's decided he's going to run, and he decides he's going to pass kind of thing right. at the last second. And hopefully the uh, the linemen aren't offsides when you when they do that. They're not <laughs> illegally downfield. But uh, but anyway, that's that's it's it was surprisingly low. But here was the interesting one: they were really scheming the ball out quickly, and I think this was primarily a case of what they knew they were going to get with Vita Vea in the middle against uh, all of the Ravens' interior linemen, but especially Linderbaum, who obviously is mm-hmm. somewhat disadvantaged with size. Um, right. And twenty-two ball out quicks out of forty, so over half the the balls are out. That the only comparable game this year is is Tua against the Ravens. Uh, who had 24 uh, balls out quick out of something like 50 in that game. But but the, those 22 plays, Lamar completed 19 of them for 164 yards at 7.5 yards per play. Now, not the, the key thing there is that he doesn't give up any turnovers on that. Once you're at that point, then even though you might not be absolutely thrilled with 7.5 yards per play, it's good, but it's not great kind of thing. Right. Um, the 7.5 yards per play when you're completing at that higher percentage means your offense is running at a very – high sorry reduced variance which is exactly yes. what offenses want offenses reduced variance defenses by the way if you've been listening to this show for a while i know you know this <laughs> guys out there because i say it a lot but defenses require variances they have to gamble to get it offenses love to reduce variances so uh uh they're kind of like the house 
you know, in terms of they know they have an advantage generally in terms of down and distance, in terms of converting first downs. They just kind of want average results play after play after play. Defense says, oh, no, we can't have that. We need variation. I need to, you know, go all in on this hand. I need to I need to bet $25 on this poll, you know, whatever it might be. You need to send the house on this snap or yes. gamble for the interception if I'm Marcus Peters downfield. Yeah. Exactly. So can I challenge you on this a little bit? I remember when Tyler Huntley took over for Lamar last season. And I remember thinking the exact opposite thing that Tyler Huntley quarterbacking the Ravens offense made the Ravens offense a much lower variance unit. But what came out was the big plays, you know, so Lamar is a higher variance quarterback than Tyler Huntley and the Ravens need him to be because without that variance, they couldn't move the ball. They needed some big plays and they weren't getting them. So, so how does that fit in with low variance being usually better for the offense? Okay. I, I'll, I, I can kind of address that. No, not a problem at all. So, you know, variance has to do with the difference between plays, obviously. So you're right. trying to avoid negative plays, avoid turnovers, avoid penalties, avoid the things that kill drives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with Huntley, um, the, this, the, they had to scheme the ball out of his hands quickly for a different reason. It was a really low level of pocket awareness that he has. So they gave up okay. effectiveness of the offense. They gave up average yards of the offense. They gave up I big see. plays on the offense in order to do that. So, yeah, it was reduced variance. I would agree with that. But it's also reduced expected value as well. Okay. So so you you're ended up with a, with an offense that just it, it, it couldn't get it done. And, and, and the other thing about Huntley, honestly, is that he really wasn't up to the um, – uh, maintaining that that play by play ability, that the 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 series by series ability, certainly at the minimum to to convert first downs. It was the mm-hmm. offense was just not a, effective enough with him uh, with him in there. So yeah, I, I saw Huntley on the sideline. It's about the first time I've seen him since the preseason. And you know, let's just honestly, let's just hope we don't see him again until until the season's over. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I wouldn't mind him starting game 17 because it's meaningless and right. resting everybody. Sure. <laughs> sure. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I'm fine with that too. That uh that'd be good. Okay, so I think we mentioned the two, and so 7.5 yards per play was good on the ball out quicks. Then we get to the 11 pressure events. Now, first of all, that's not too bad. 11 out of 40. I mean, I, I'd be yeah. I'd be screaming about that if I were the Ravens in terms of 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 that happening. The Ravens actually had a not too dissimilar. Do you game mean? Against do you Ravens. mean if the Ravens only got that, uh, and you're talking about their defense, you'd be screaming about that? Yeah, correct. Yeah, gotcha. And so, and, and actually, the, the the Tom Brady numbers pretty similar this week. He did not quite as many ball out quicks as a percentage of the total, but a lot of balls out quick to the outside to slants. You know, one read and go. But he, I mean, he's he throws the ball quicker than anybody else because he he doesn't move around, and when he's forced to move around, it doesn't look good. So no, uh, he's uh. It, it, all of that has, uh, you know, is is very different from Lamar. But the eleven pressures on Lamar, he completed five of nine for twenty nine yards, uh, and that that included two sacks in that, so two point six yards per play. The 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 teams the last few weeks have realized getting pressure is the way to get to Lamar. Now it's four weeks in a row. When you scout a team, you typically look at the last four weeks of film. It's out there now. Uh, you know, the, the New Orleans Saints know exactly what to do against Lamar Jackson in terms of of how they will approach him as a passer, I think. And the Ravens now need to to layer their playbook. This is a time, I think, where, you know, you really want to want to give Roman a, a second gold star after this game in terms of doing it. I want to see them layer the playbook with some additional plays that specifically address 
teams that want to get pressure, maybe some plays designed specifically to go off as soon as a guy from level two that could be a spy or could be a delayed blitz, as soon as that guy comes, the ball is As soon out. as he creeps up or, oh, yeah. Oh, you mean after the snap? Post snap. So you, you, you know, you have a half second, half second delay right. for, for that player. And then he, and then he comes Lamar starts to show any movement outside the pocket is a great way to trigger that guy. Cause yeah. they, they, they typically go and then throw the ball right to the middle of the field at that point, find your guy and, and go. I, I, I would love to see some plays that were designed specifically with that in mind to, to take advantage of the linebackers and, and Lamar's ability to manipulate them. You know, Greg Roman in the passing game has his running backs, typically has his running backs stay in for a second to see if they need to block somebody and then they release. And that leads to a fair number of green dog blitzes, you know, guys Mm -hmm. seeing that the running back is staying in. And so he adds himself to the rush. And it has sometimes seemed to me that the running backs would be more effective components in the passing game if they got out quick on the snap rather than waited to see if they would be needed. Uh, and for a guy like, you know, Justice Hill, who has some speed, um, JK Dobbins, if he, if he were to come back, uh, that would be one way to increase their effectiveness in the passing game. And, and also, you know, kind of get the ball wide of the line of scrimmage, particularly if, if Lamar's throwing it away from a direction that he's rolling, you know, so he always draws so much defensive attention, you know, swing the ball to, to a running back who gets out very quickly after the snap rather than lingering to draw another pass rusher in. Yeah, I, I uh, agree with that. And um, what, what you're talking about is definitely true. They, they do green dog a lot against the Ravens and they try and, you know, determine if they've got a thing and, and they can take a downhill step and still cover that guy, cover that mm-hmm. running back coming out and make Lamar potentially waste a, a read in terms of, of, you know, trying to figure out if that running back, that that uh, uh, inside linebacker is coming, and then he's not, and they don't really have the advantage they thought they had. But there are other times where it's not a matter of the running back. The running back may already be out wide in an empty set, and there's but there's still a linebacker in there, and he's he's assigned as a spy or mm-hmm. he's assigned you know to watch the line of scrimmage. And there is a fair amount of that that occurs as well, where uh, you know he has a an opportunity to try and read that linebacker and try and make some kind of a. Uh, a play again in the middle of the field to the side of the field. It could be really could be anywhere on the field, but just something that, that gets that linebacker out of the play for his tight end, for his running back, for even a slanting wide receiver, anybody coming towards the middle of the field. And yeah, part of it is they've played some really good linebackers in recent reach with, with uh, Logan, I think was inactive for, for the game against Cincinnati, but JOK was probably their best defensive player in that game. He was was all over the freaking field and he's just, yeah, it's, it's tough. And, um, David White isn't isn't really a great linebacker, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, he's athletic, and and uh, you know he's still able to to make some things happen in in terms of what happened here. Um, it'd be like Tyler Linderbaum him. put him on roller skates a few yeah. times. Oh my gosh! Are you guys still noticing that there's these strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section at your local grocery store? Well, that's because it's not beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and its infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits of every can sold to help kill that plastic pollution. And you guys know me. I come on here and tell you a story about how I've been using it that week and kind of fooling people as I'm drinking water. 
Well, I got a new one this week. I'm not going to tell you what I did. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do because this week is Halloween. So Monday night, I'm taking the kids around. And I know there's some people that are handing out beer and shots and stuff. But I don't want to do that when I'm around my kids. So when I'm dragging my two eight-year-olds around and going door to door, I'll be dragging the wagon with the cooler of liquid death. So I'll be handing out tall boys of water to parents. And hey, if a kid asks, I can actually give it to a kid as well because all it is is water straight from the Alps. Go on and get liquid death. Get it today. Get it ready for Halloween. Uh, You go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. I got a few more stats if we want to hear them. I want to hear Lamar. I do want to hear them, but before we hear them, I want to mention, so you talked about how many balls out quick Lamar got Mm -hmm. uh, against Tampa's rush. Now, it, it was not as productive a day for him in terms of big plays, but we don't usually see Lamar play the quick game that way. And I actually really liked seeing that. Like that was a tool in his bag to a a golf club and his golf bag that, that we don't usually see him use. And it was really nice to, for me to see like seven and a half yards per play on, on getting the ball out quick, you know, 19 of 22. That's, that's tremendous. And that's another angle that the Ravens can use going forward. If Lamar has that. Yeah, it's a good. That's a good point. When, Lamar went eight for eight in the second half, which I think everybody knows. But seven of those were ball out quick, and they went for 13, 7, 5, 17, 15, 16, and eleven. So not a whole lot of drive ending plays in that in that group yeah. for the uh, or, uh, you know, risk of a drive stalling play at all. So anyway, good uh, a good second half for Lamar. Obviously, as we know, uh, let's talk a little bit about pressure by numbers here. Uh, so they, the the Bucks rushed three one time. Uh, six-yard play. They rushed four 18 times for 73 yards, 4.1. They rushed five 15 times, and the Ravens got 105 yards on those plays. That's a good reversal of what's been happening recently. That, that they, What's that yards per approximately on seven, that? 7.0. That's good. Yeah. And then uh, 8.8 on four rushes with six. So it's, it's a 22, two incompletes, and a 12. It's not perfectly – you know, variance uh, of, of great high variance value, but it's of some. And then uh, two plays for four yards with a seven man rush. So if you look at the five pluses, they had 21 for 143. So almost seven yards per play mm-hmm. and a lot of completions in, in that group. So it's nice to see Lamar reverse kind of some of the impact of what had been done the last few weeks uh, when they did uh, send numbers against him. So. Yeah. And he really sort of played against type. You know, he really went to the short passing game, uh, which is not his usual MO. He likes to hold the ball and look for the and look for the, the big shot. Yep. Uh, and if I know I've already said this, but if he adds this extra this other dimension, this this short game to his skill set, you know, reliably, that makes him a more fully dimensional player you know able to handle a greater variety of situations that's really only to the positive even if the numbers aren't super impressive they are productive efficient capable professional useful you know yeah i mean what certainly what he did in that second half is is useful any any quarterback anytime anywhere sure but yeah eight for eight is fine right but but we don't want the we don't want to lose the big player ability of lamar that is earned with his dangerousness in in the with the football 
that is earned. I don't with- think it's a matter of a risk of losing it. What I think it is a matter of is defanging a a strike that the that the defense has. You know, if if okay. if you're burning them with big plays and they're switching to this, you know, heavy rush to get the ball out quick. This is what Tom Brady has done for years and years. You burn him with the big plays, the defense adjusts and, and starts coming after him, and he dinks and dunks them, you know, paper cuts them to death. If there's no negative plays and you're getting six, seven yards, you know, play after play after play, like the defense can't tolerate that either. So it's a it's a change-up pitch, you know. It's yeah. not the only thing Lamar should do, but as a change-up pitch, that's great. Yeah. I, by the way, completely agree in terms of that. And I, I love to see a, a game. And it, it, it speaks to your original point about the offensive game plan being adaptable in, in terms yeah. of what Roman did, is that he can have a game where the ball comes out that many times. And it's obviously schemed in part mm-hmm. to come out that many times quickly, and it can still be effective. Now, one thing that's true is it didn't really get to be effective until the second half when they yes. were really running the ball. And then you could do that as well. I would like to know why, and and uh, I, you know, I know that you've probably watched the, the the game multiple times to kind of nail down like your offensive line grading, which, by the way, we should get to soon, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I, I, I did not, I haven't watched it a second time to identify what was so unsuccessful in the first half. You know why they failed. Yeah, uh, it was a variety of things, but Vea was was in there a lot and pressure, including the big S minus 12. Uh, they mm-hmm. got some, they got some high variance plays and you know what? I mean, I, the thing I'm screaming at the TV set is on those first four drives. Yeah. They got the one play to Andrews and then they blew a series, blew a series, blew a series, blew a series. And that included a, a fresh opportunity after the, after the fumbled muff punt. Yeah. By the way, we didn't talk about this, but that muff punt, how, what great savvy, from Seymour, I think is the guy who recovered it, right? It wasn't Hill. Hill caused the fumble, but I think Hill Seymour caused it. it. Yeah, I think it was Seymour who recovered it. Whoever it was, to not try and advance that ball, very smart football. You try and scoop mm-hmm. and score there, you might fumble yourself, and that ball is not advanceable after a month. Right, right. So, a lot of people don't know that, but anyway, that's. Uh, <laughs> I imagine that the Ravens' special teams players know a whole lot about the rules <laughs> that yes. govern those situations. Yeah, they they should. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we won't get into it, but, but uh, I, I have noted one major special teams blunder on Harbaugh's part of not knowing the rules exactly. Which that, which was that? Well, okay, it happened. Go back and tell the story. It happened in a game in 2016 against the Jets, okay. and so I happened to be at the at the Meadowlands that day and, <laughs> and in in the club seats. So whatever screaming I was doing was amusing Jets fans, but it wasn't sure. doing anything for obviously the any coaches on the field or anything, but they had a blocked field goal late in that game down eight that uh, was blocked, I think by Brandon Williams and it went directly out of bounds without touching anybody. Okay. And then they, they, the, so the officials, you know, noted the point where it went out of bounds. They spotted the football there and it was, uh, you know, three yards, I think past the original line of scrimmage. Okay. Well, any, any kick that's blocked and goes out of bounds is returned to the spot of the kick as long as it mm. doesn't touch anybody else. And okay. so they lost 11 yards. It was a tough day for Flacco to start with. That 11 yards really seemed to seemed to be important. And then they didn't score anyway. So who knows if it really would have mattered or not. Oh, and but, so you're saying that Harbaugh didn't get in a ref's yeah. face or challenged the spot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think I, it was just over two minutes left. So it was a case where I think he could have challenged it. And if you say, hey, um, 
you must have seen that hit somebody else. I don't think it hit anyone else, in which case it should be returned to the spot of the kick. And then the officials would have talked it over and they would have said, oh, shit, he's right. Mm. And and they would have reviewed the play and they said, uh, challenges is correct and upheld. And, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the ball's returned to the spot of the kick. So uh i anyway that was it was unfortunate that happened but uh but but this he's generally speaking they know the rules very well and that that's kind of a basic rule of punt coverage the other yep. one is if you block a field goal and it goes back in your direction you don't touch it at all and right. thank, thank goodness anthony mitchell ignored that rule on 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 what was the biggest play in raven's history before the mile high miracle is that the, <laughs> the, the, the kick six is that what you're talking about the it was the kick six against the tennessee game and that the, in the in the uh, uh in the playoffs yeah yeah so uh, he, 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 I've talked to him before about it on an autograph show. He said that the first one that was blocked, and they blocked two of, of uh, Del Greco's kicks that day, the first one rolled into the end zone, and he chased after it. And he goes, can't we return those? He asked Rod Woodson. He goes, no, you don't touch them, because if you do, then you, you, you can fumble or they can, they right. can uh, you know, bad things can happen from that point. And then the second one comes right up to him anyway. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he took it and he just started off to go. And the whole Ravens team is giving him that, no, 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 don't touch it. Right. And they immediately converted to blocking. And it's like, just like that, they converted to blockers after, after he had the football, which was really good. They threw some very important blocks on that. The, uh, the, the one I think that comes to most of our minds will be the one that was a Chris McAllister returned it out of the end zone. Yes. Was that against Denver? Yeah. Uh, and Ray Lewis crushed some poor soul with a block. Yep. That was one of the, that's, that still is one of the highlights of Ray's career. And so, yes, one of the moments that you'll really remember. All right. So do you want to, uh, do you want us to get to the O-line? We we need to, let's see if we have anything else we need to talk about here in terms of scheme and results. And we'll, we'll save the O-line for the, for the part two of the show here in just a moment. We okay. need to take a, a break. Men of our particular age, uh, <laughs> mine, mine at least anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you're right. So, uh, uh, Andrews, uh, uh, you know, started hot, uh, finished with just 10 snaps. Bateman only 13 snaps. Edwards, we mentioned only had 16 snaps. So there is need to get these guys back. And I, 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 I don't, need the truth from Harbaugh about the injuries. I'll just say the Ravens need to get these guys back. I, well, I, they got one game in 23 days, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a game against a not very good team. So I think that this is the opportunity to get those guys back. Now, Harb said... Meaning that, to sit uh, those guys. To Well, to... I, I, I would say even if they play, I still think this is the opportunity to get those guys back because this is a very low workload over three weeks. You know, and, and, and Harbaugh said that uh, Andrew's situation wasn't serious. Uh, what Did he say the same about Edwards or Bateman after the game? Did you catch? All, all claim not serious, meaning first so, platform for negotiations. <laughs> That's what it is. So this is the chance, right? Like, yeah. first of all, if they need to sit him to beat the, you know, and, and they ought to be able to beat the Saints without him, especially with, with what they got from their other players. If they can't beat the saints without him, it's an NFC team and who cares? So, I, I mean, it's the lowest impact. It's one of the lowest impact games on their schedule, you know, get the guys back. You, you need them for the post by stretch run. This is the opportunity right now, you know, whether, whether they rest for the mini buy and that's enough, you know, or, or, or whether they need all of the three weeks, but get them back. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I completely agree with that. Obviously if they can play, go ahead. Yeah, uh, there's also an opportunity if if you want to give Bateman that extra week off, if you think it could help, yeah, maybe maybe you stick Joshua Jackson out there. It's an yeah. opportunity to uh, it, 
maybe it's an opportunity to play Mike Davis one more last time before you release him. Uh, you know, you've got that obviously that's on the plate and hopefully, and this is what I'm really looking forward to out of these injuries coming back that probably the most important, the storyline next week, I hope in terms of this defense is that they were finally able to use their outside linebacker snaps in a way that was optimized and not a way that they had to do out of necessity. Cause this year, everything's been out of necessity away playing out of position. It's been Jason Pierre Paul playing way too many snaps, still being you know reasonably good for what we could yeah. expect, but but, but yeah. playing way too many snaps. <coughs> and uh, and you know Justin Houston being tremendously effective in limited snaps, great. Let's continue that. Let's right. let's figure out how we can you know maintain that league leading you know sacks per time rushing the passer rating he's got. Right, right. All right, a couple more things. The Ravens played their latest lineups of the years. We've been talking about this on the show every every week, but 1.91 heavies per play. So Only. a heavy is like a what a tight end and a fullback. Is that tight end, fullback, sixth offensive lineman? Any of those okay. three. And and so the Ravens have been averaging the most in recent NFL history. And I can't tell you how recent because it might be decades, but it's at least the last six years where I have data for. Yeah. Okay. And and they had averaged over 2.3. And the highest individual year during those three six years is 1.99 or so by the 2019 Vikings. Huh. So even the Ravens. So they're using teams, three big guys per play, either a six lineman, a, a tight end, or a fullback. How do you, where do they get this? Okay. So we haven't had been putting a lot of speed on the field. So you don't put 11 on the field, is, is basically how you get there. And yeah. they, put, they put more 11 on the field this week. They played. You know, Prochet took some tight end snaps, likely took basically all of Andrew's snaps, but then somebody had to take, you know, the mm-hmm. Oliver snaps and whatnot. And and uh, uh, Boyle played a few more snaps, but but the Ricard played fewer snaps this week, for example. He only played about half the snaps. So they played really a lot more 11 than they have in previous weeks. And that was an interesting, interesting change of pace for them. Um, they still have not played a lot of 11 on the season, but, uh, uh, you know, at Two heavies per play, just just to put that in 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 perspective, that means you're playing basically twelve or twenty one every single down, right? Okay, if you play two heavies per play, well, the Ravens haven't. They've been playing two point three heavies per play, so right. they play. They're averaging like thirteen on thirty percent of plays, and the seventy, the remaining seventy percent of the plays, they've been playing you know twelve or twenty one. And in truth, since they played some eleven, they played some even heavier formations than that. They played right. some twenty two, and they played some fourteen. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's just. It's a, it's a very weird but historic season in, in a lot of ways there. And, and as much as this kind of looks like the 2019 teams in some ways, it looks a lot more like something out of the 1970s uh, in terms of, the, uh, of, of you know, their willingness to line up big players and, and, and crush. So that does not sound like a recipe to score, right? But then when we look at it, they are sixth in the NFL in uh, points per drive and points per uh, game. They're, um, I think they're fifth or sixth in offensive DVOA. And mm-hmm. I think uh, also in passing DVOA. So so they've been productive playing this kind of throwback way. Uh, it, it, it's working. It has been working for them. I'm, gonna, I'm knocking on wood over here. I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, uh, it's it's so interesting. Can you clear up something for me? Did they in the second half of this game when they were so successful, both running and passing the ball and they were scoring on every possession, were they playing more 11 in this second half than they usually were? Or was the 11 
per, the one one personnel mostly confined to the first half. I, I'm I'm gonna have a hard time telling you that. I think they were playing um, a lot of heavies in the second half, but they also had lost Mark Andrews, and mm-hmm. so. Uh, but Ricard might have been playing more. And so I just don't have it for you. And what we have on our offensive line scoring sheet is we have the apparent formation, which is how the players lined up relative to the line of scrimmage. So, for mm-hmm. instance, I'll have a, a 401 or a 221. So, 401 means four wide receivers, zero tight ends, one running back. Is but that's not a personnel package. That's a formation. Right? Exactly. So, that's not what the defensive okay. coordinator has to respond to. So, yeah. the, the, you. You have an apparent formation that that you put out with your personnel, and then the defensive coordinator goes, "Oh crap!" Then I got to get you know so and so on as a safety yeah. to cover your tight end, and right. he make, he's allowed to make a change after that. Well, it, and then the actual formation is—I might have said apparent formation, but the actual formation is what we what we record here on the sheet is how they lined up, and it doesn't—you know—we're we're not taking into account that it might be Ricard wide on some of these plays. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last thing we'll talk about blockers. Yeah, tw- 20 and three set and ship blockers in this game. So it, it was a moderate amount. It's not as many as they have used, but they threw the ball 40 times. So, you know, you expect to have a few more uh, set and ship blockers. Not a lot of respect for the Tampa Bay edge guys. And I thought the Tryon in particular was giving Stanley some trouble, which we'll talk about a little bit, but he could have used a chip blocker a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you know, we know the interior had some issues with Vita. I don't know how to say his name. Vita 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 Vita. This is a team that was in the Super Bowl not very long ago, and 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 one of their successes was on pass. You know, one of the bases for their victories, one of the bases for their victory was on the pass rush. And I think they still have some of those guys, right? Well, they they lost Shaq Barrett in the second half, so he yeah. that that was a very serious injury for them. And I, I would say that was the only injury that really kind of mattered to what they were trying to accomplish against the Ravens. Um, I think that a lot of their other injuries in the secondary really never amounted to very much against the Ravens, but the, but losing Barrett was a big deal. And, well, so that that's the same group that tortured Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl. It's interesting that we wouldn't game plan kind of, especially for them that, that we would think that we could just sort of handle them with our normal uh, set of guys. Well, the, the the twenty ball out quicks is another mm-hmm. way to handle them. Is is yeah. you know you get the ball out quickly out of Lamar's hand, you scheme to do it, and then you take their pass rushers out of the game. And even so, it didn't work. I mean, Vita Vea came right up the middle for a sack, and and uh, uh, Bar- Barrett. I always want to call him Barnett, but Barrett uh, uh, got a got a sack as well. He might have had. I'm not sure if he had two sacks, but they they had three total sacks. So uh, did did Shaq Barrett? So. Uh, sometimes we see that a guy goes out of the game on defense and all of a sudden the opposing offense runs wild. Uh, did uh, Shaq Barris injury kick off the Ravens offensive success in the second half or were they moving the ball really well kind of before he left the game? Yeah, I, th- I think they were. And then, it, and then it got a lot worse and I'll have to go check in terms of where that injury was, but uh, it, it'll be uh yeah. Okay. Here, here it is. Give me a second. I'll find it. Um, Barrett injured was in the, it was early in the third quarter, actually. It was only the fourth play on offense. So you could, I think it'd be fair to say it, it, it kicked it off. So they had had a 25 yard run by Lamar. The one run that they had on the play where he's injured was an 11 yard run right by Edwards. But then, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were, they were unstopped basically after that point. Yeah. So that's interesting. That kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sad to learn that. That takes a little bit of the, uh, the glimmer off the wind for me. A little bit. 
All right. Well, fair enough. Well, Jim, we'll be back in just a moment here. Uh, t- tell folks one more time where they can uh, find you on Twitter. Well, I'm on Twitter, right? So uh, just look up Jim Zipcode. The actual uh, at sign is at zip uh, underscore Jim. And I'm also on the RSR forums as uh, Jim Zipcode. Uh, less present than I was maybe a year or so ago, but uh, but I was there all day today. So uh, I'm in and out. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you want to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I love to hear your, your uh, topic. I'm looking to work with some data analyst who can handle the NFL faster data and would like to talk about doing a project on variance with me. I have a specific idea of what I want, but but I need somebody with a with a little bit of experience with the programming and particularly with that data site, uh, that uh, uh, data from NFL Faster to work with that uh, to see if they'd like to work on this with me. Uh, so definitely give me a DM on Twitter if you're interested. It's a it's kind of a cool project. Uh, Jim, thanks again for coming on. We'll be back in for part two in a moment. Sounds good. how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.